Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? Tread confidently in winter's worst with a set of new tires from Tire Rack. They sell only the best, like the full line of Redestine tires. Go to TireRack.com slash sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the best of OutKick, the coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome in, Outkick the Coverage, Labor Day edition. I am your fearless leader, Clay Travis. We're here with the crew bright and early with you on a holiday because many of you are working and also because many of us are still in shock over what we saw happen last night. Late. With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for and on average save over three grand off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience Vin Scully back in 1988 when Kirk Gibson hit his home run to win the Dodgers a World Series game against the Oakland A's said I don't believe what I just saw that's the way I feel about everything that happened in the Texas A&M UCLA game that just ended a few hours ago on the West Coast in the Rose Bowl. Josh Rosen fakes the spike, throws into the back left corner of the end zone and completes an improbable, unbelievable, flat out extraordinary comeback from a 44 to 10 third quarter deficit to allow UCLA to escape with a 45 to 44 win one of the biggest comebacks in the history of college football given the stakes my guy Joel Clack calling the game I texted with him right after the game and I said man you just called an iconic game the likes of which few college football fans few sports fans in general have ever seen and all he could respond was bananas uh also matt leinert there on the field i was texting with him during the game as well the greatest one of the greatest if not the greatest usc quarterback of all time there on the field in the rose bowl watching 
and unbelievable performance by Josh Rosen. Is there a single person who watched that game last night and did not leave thinking to themselves, my goodness, Josh Rosen has to be the overall number one draft pick in the 2018 NFL draft. He was otherworldly in his performance in the second half. I don't think UCLA's that good. I don't think they can run the football. I don't think they have a great, talented team, but they have a great quarterback. And when I broke this game down for you, I said, I think A&M's a lot better at most of the positions, which is why I'm taking them as the underdog to cover. And, oh, by the way, if you're listening to this right now and you are an Aggie, probably not much consolation, but at least you covered. Hate to brag, we had an unbelievable week of gambling picks, and I'm sure we're going to get to those. 11-2 and two against the spread so far. Two more picks tonight. I've got Tennessee, and I've got the over in tonight's game. But we started 11-2 and two against the number. And the only real solace you could take from this game, if you were an Aggie fan, is hopefully you took A&M plus three, four, or five points, because at least then you covered. But my God, this was scintillating. I love college football. I think it's the single most entertaining sport in all of America. I really do. I mean, I love football in general, but I think college football is the single most entertaining sport in America because you don't see things like this happen. You don't see it happen in the NFL. You don't see a quarterback get hot, get into that moment where even the throws he's making that he shouldn't make are all getting caught especially that last touchdown pass next to last touchdown pass rosen's rolling left a&m's all over him he throws back across his body and miraculously the ball gets caught in the end zone any one play it's made defensively down the stretch and a&m wins and instead ucla puts everything together now big picture big picture this is massive because i was tweeting during the game hey look chip kelly's out in westwood shopping for a new home And then by the end of the game, I'm genuinely uh, wondering, how does A&M recover from this? How does Kevin Sumlin, who was already on the hot seat, recover from this incident, from this loss? As debilitating and destructive and difficult of a loss as you can possibly imagine to give up a 34-point second-half lead from 44-10 to losing 45-44, I still can't believe exactly, again, as I started the show saying, I don't believe to echo Vin Scully for another unbelievable L.A. sports moment, what I just saw. 877-996-6369. We're here all three hours with you. I'll kick the coverage on a Monday. I want your reactions. If you're up early with us, you can react to a game that just ended a few hours ago, which is pretty wild. Who said I'd, uh, that was Jack Buck? That was Jack Buck in 88. Was, he, was Vin Scully in the booth as well? I think that I Vince, don't know. It was uh, a radio okay. call. The The call you're talking about was Jack Buck on the radio. Okay. Um, I've heard that over and over and over again. Yeah, you're uh, right. On, on television, it was Vin Scully, and he said the improbable, the impossible, and Joe Buck was the one who said, I don't believe what I just saw. All right, so I got them crossed over. So I thought Vin Scully was calling that game. In my mind, I've just gotten it crossed over. The uh, the call was from radio that's become so iconic. Uh, that is, uh, I was trying to look it up right before it came on. I was like, I can't remember exactly who said that. Um, and uh, and Vin Scully was attributed um, at the top of the links when I uh, when I went and grabbed it. So he's at least getting some credit for it. Um, so an improbable win by UCLA capping off what is not yet a complete weekend of college football 877-996-6369 is our phone number here uh what do we do 
on Mondays during college football season. If you are new to the show, uh, what we usually do in the college football and NFL universe is I start off with my ideas of exactly how everything is broken down. The biggest stories to me that exist from the day in college football. But I want to keep talking about this UCLA and Texas A&M game off the top. And so I'll bring in the crew before we get into the larger picture of obviously there being so much college football to talk about starting on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, uh, Sunday, and still with a Monday night football game. I am in Atlanta. My thanks down here to the people uh, hosting me in Atlanta. I will be here for the Tennessee-Georgia Tech game. We'll be on live again tomorrow early morning from Atlanta reacting to whatever happens in that game as well. Uh, But it has been a cornucopia of college football excess, the best possible uh, start to any season if you are a big fan like I am. Games on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and now Monday, five straight days to bathe and marinate in college football, which, again, I think is the best sport in America, and it's also the one with the longest offseason. And honestly, I'm watching both games last night. I'm not trying to give the West Virginia and Virginia Tech game lack of interest or anything. I mean, it was a very entertaining game in of itself. Will Greer throwing the ball around like a modern-day Charlie Whitehurst. Uh, it was a it was a great game, and I was flipping back and forth, and I just kept thinking to myself, surely A&M is going to make a play. Surely at some point in time, even all the way up to and including on that final drive, because A&M brought the house a lot on that final drive, couldn't quite get Josh Rosen down. I kept thinking, surely they're not going to allow to happen what we are seeing happen. And Josh Rosen does the fake spike and throws the touchdown pass. I think we have some audio. Uh, is that right, uh, Danny G? Let me know. What, let's go ahead and play yeah, that we audio. Have, we have Kevin Sumlin reacting after. Yeah, it was I haven't all even over. heard this because I went to bed like a lot of you guys did after the game was over. So I haven't even heard these quotes. So let's go ahead and hit that. Uh, let's play Kevin Sumlin. You don't explain it. I think uh, it's you know like I told you before the season. We're not making excuses for anything. We uh, we didn't get it done. With different personnel and different people playing, we know we got a young team. We got to put them in in position to 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 make plays, and um, you know we did in the first half because of our pass rush defensively, um, and ability to stop the run. You know we threw some balls up. You know Josh Rosen threw some balls up. We we should have had, didn't come down with them. I thought our guys kept playing down the end. They made more plays than we did in the second half, particularly in the fourth quarter. Again, I don't know how Texas A&M bounces back from this. They're a young team. I think that the story is, to me, less Texas A&M's collapse and more Josh Rosen just becoming otherworldly. There are not very many quarterbacks who could have made the throws that he made. I mean, I I said before this game that I thought that A&M was going to be better at every position on the field just about than UCLA was, except for quarterback. And in the first half, they really bottled up Josh Rosen for much of the second half they did and then it was a little bit eerily similar to what happened in last year's game down in College Station which ended up going into double overtime Josh Rosen got hot after you thought A&M had put that game away and instead it has turned into a a mess and this situation is going to get uglier I mean I know the comments that rolled in on my feed we obviously have a huge audience all over the state of Texas many of those people from uh from Texas A&M and the University of Texas by the way not a great day for the University of Texas either or Baylor 
a lot of kicks in the teeth for the college football fan in Texas. But it has already happened that a Texas A&M regent has called for Kevin Sumlin's job in the wakes of in the wake of this uh, in the wake of this outcome. And I'm reading from 247 Sports. Texas A&M has 10 members of the Board of Regents, and one of them, Anthony Busby, has made his feelings known on the status of head coach Kevin Sumlin after the Aggies blew a 34-point lead. Uh, Busby took to his personal Facebook page Sunday evening to voice his displeasure, and I'm reading this live to you guys. I'm sure I may be criticized for this post, but I honestly don't care. I've been on the Board of Regents for the A&M system for almost seven years. During that time, I've not once commented on Kevin Sumlin and his performance during his tenure at our school I never said a word when he and his agent well this is this is rough when he and his agent manipulated a much bigger and longer contract I said nothing about his arrogance and his mishandling of multiple player controversies I said nothing when he had, we had multiple awesome recruiting classes only to see key players leave our school or underperform but tonight I am very disappointed and I have to say this Kevin Sumlin was out coached tonight which isn't new his recruits well I think he meant to say play well but can't coach he recruits well sorry he recruits well but can't coach the big games or the close games our players were better tonight our players were more talented tonight but our coaches were dominated on national tv yet again Uh, I'm only one vote on the board of regents but when the time comes my vote will be that Kevin Sumlin needs to go in my view he should go now we owe it to our school and our players we can do better man that is uh and then he went on twitter and said someone has got to go hashtag fire someone this is one of the 10 members of the board of regents at texas a&m who has come out already in the wake of this defeat uh just before midnight i'm guessing eastern time so just about five hours ago uh six hours ago this guy puts out these comments and that's how hot the seat for Kevin Sumlin has become that one of the members of the board that will determine his future has already gone public you thought Lane Kiffin getting fired at LAX was rough uh, before Kevin Sumlin hardly can get home to Texas there are people out there calling for his job now I love Kevin Sumlin I think he's been great for Texas A&M I think he Johnny Manziel and that new football stadium uh, down in uh, in College Station are in many respects the whole the the holy trinity of the SEC right they all came together at the perfect time Johnny Menzel the SEC and Kevin Sumlin uh, but obviously he is under a lot of heat because of the way that A and M has finished the last three seasons and then you combine it with uh, with what exactly has gone on in this game. A&M people feeling like, yes, we've got a young team, but you're up 44-10. They think they've got it in the bag. And then Josh Rosen just comes to town. Now, again, I think this has more to do with Josh Rosen and less to do with Texas A&M. And if you want to focus on somebody on Texas A&M, you probably should focus on John Chavis, the defensive coordinator at A&M, who allowed uh, A&M to come back from a 34-point deficit and uh and get josh rosen hot but rosen we've seen this before man rosen is is like a golfer who suddenly is going to make 
five birdies in six holes. He just gets hot as a quarterback, and everything broke in his direction. It was uncanny. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weeknights at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Welcome back in Labor Day edition, hour three. I hope wherever you guys are that you are having a spectacular start to your holiday. And obviously you are because you are starting it with us here at Outkick the Coverage. And that is going to be hopefully a uh, good way for you to start your day in the weeks and months ahead, especially now that we have got football season off and rolling. Uh, it is a uh, it's been a heck of a day, heck of a day so far. So many different games to react to. And uh, I want to tell you with True Car, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for. And on average, save over three grand off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. So many different games that we have talked about. Uh, we're going to talk with Gary Danielson here in the next segment and uh, from CBS Sports, and we'll break down all the different games that are out there. I asked a poll question. I'm actually kind of surprised by the answer, and I want to get you guys' answer on this as well. I said, uh, who should be more upset today? Which SEC fan base should be more upset today, Texas A&M or Florida, uh, with their week one loss? And to me, I watched both those games, almost their entirety of both of them, I think that Florida fans have a lot more reason to be upset because I think Florida's loss was more reflective of the team that they are. In other words, they're not going to be very good. They don't got a quarterback. And I know that Antonio Callaway wasn't playing, and I know that Scarlett wasn't playing at running back, and you can make all the excuses you want for the Gators. But this is year three. And what Jim McElwain was hired to do was fix the offense. The offense that has not worked for the Florida Gators since Tim Tebow was the quarterback there. Into the years of Urban Meyer, they were awful. They were never good offensively under Will Muschamp, even when they won 11 games in his second season. And they got, as beat, they got beat as badly as I have seen a Florida Gator team get beat in 20 or 25 years by Jim Harbaugh in Michigan. Now, I think you can give a lot of credit to Jim Harbaugh in Michigan and say, boy, this team's going to be very good uh, in Ann Arbor. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And I think this was a big statement game for both teams. But A&M was the underdog in that game and played well enough to get up 44-10. to 10. If you just told A&M fans or SEC fans or college football fans in general, hey, guess what? You're going to lose this game on the road in the Rose Bowl, but you are going to lose it in a way that a touchdown pass is going to be thrown with about 35 seconds left in that game, and you're going to lose by a point. I think A&M fans would have to say, ah, you know what? We'll take it. And instead of getting up 44 to 10, if you had gone back and forth, let's say, and it had been a true shootout and neither team had led by more than 10 points throughout, I think A&M fans would feel pretty good about their way their young team acquitted itself. So I know everybody is prisoners of the moment. I know you're not reacting necessarily to the game as a whole. You're just reacting at giving up the lead. But to me, that is the way that this should be looked at and acknowledged is to me, a&M's might still be okay. We don't know how good UCLA is. We don't know how good Texas A&M is. I'm pretty convinced after watching Florida play against Michigan that Florida's not going to be very good. That the SEC East may well be another dumpster fire. 
and there might not be any good teams. Now, we'll see what happens when Georgia goes on the road against Notre Dame. Obviously, it's early in the year. But if I'm a Florida Gator fan, every fear that I had was confirmed by that game against Michigan. Now, if I'm a Texas A&M fan, I say, man, you know, we traveled all the way across the country. We should have won this game with a young team. We lost, but maybe this season's going to have a different trajectory. Maybe we can win the next four. I think that's to happen. That's possible. And then you're sitting at four and one. Let's go around the horn. Boys, do you think that's crazy? Is that a crazy position for me to have that of the two teams that lost, I would say, crushing games, Texas A&M and Florida, A&M was crushing because of the way they lost, not necessarily because of the way they played overall, whereas Florida, I think, is probably just a 7-5 and five type team based on what I saw against Michigan. I think it's an interesting point to make. It's almost like, do you want to get stabbed repeatedly for four hours, <laughs> or do you just want to take one in the throat like immediately and be done? Because Florida I think the better point, what? it's like Game of Thrones. It's like, do you want to be the guy who is like winning the fight throughout the entire fight, and then suddenly you just get knocked out by a Hail Mary? Because that's basically what happened, right? It was like, you, you win the fight for the first 10 rounds, and then in rounds 11 and 12, you just get your brains beat in, and the last... You know, like part of the 12th round when you get knocked out because A&M dominated that fight if you want to make a boxing analogy for 10 rounds and then just got wrecked uh, at the very end it was a little bit like uh, remember the Game of Thrones trial by combat when uh, when uh, who was it what was his name Prince Oberyn Prince Oberyn looks like he's going to beat the mountain and he starts strutting around like cockily and then it's like Leon Lett as he's about to score in the touchdown play and then (laughs) next thing you know like everything falls apart I mean that was a little bit like A&M I thought uh, in this game in general yeah, and look, Franks threw a really nice ball. His first pass was like this over-shoulder throw to the sidelines, yeah. sort of a deep ball. It's like, wow, this kid can play. That was like the last highlight for Florida's offense in this game. And Michigan, I mean, Wilson Spate's not somebody that impresses me all that much, and he made a couple of big mistakes. But at no point did I think Michigan was not in control of that football game so it really was like the thing about it is if you're texas a&m you are riding high for three quarters as a fan and then you just have that really big letdown and maybe initially that sting and that shock hurts more but if you look at it from florida's perspective if you're a florida fan what positives did you really take away from what took place on saturday that's exactly what i'm saying like there is a&m lost and they were expected to lose on the road against a first round quarterback in josh rosen who got insanely hot and made really a series of fantastic plays down the stretch if i'm a&m i like i know it's only been a few hours since you guys lost and the touchdown pass on the fake spike in the corner of the end zone i understand it's painful but if you take a step back and look at it a&M versus Florida, two big-time SEC programs that lost difficult cross-sectional games, Pac-12 and also the Big Ten. I think Michigan's really good, but I think they exposed Florida as a very mediocre team. And that's more of an issue to me than losing a game against a first-round quarterback. Again, the Gators could have lost that game 42-3. to I mean, if they don't have those two pick sixes, then that game's not even remotely close. They couldn't run the ball. They don't have a quarterback. They couldn't block. I mean, I don't know. On the offensive side of the ball, Jim McElwain is supposed to be this offensive genius. And now in year three, he can't do anything on the offensive side of the ball. I, I just I think that Jim McElwain could go south really quickly in Florida, whereas I look at A&M and I say, okay, 
Like, uh, I, I don't think – I'm not convinced that A&M's awful, you know. I'm not convinced that, that, that they're great by any stretch of the imagination because I don't know how good UCLA is. But I think it's fair to say that everybody out there listening to us right now would acknowledge that Josh Rosen is a pretty good quarterback and that he's going to be a first-round quarterback and that the way he played in the fourth quarter, to me, was more about Josh Rosen than it was about A&M falling apart. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. Welcome back in Fox Sports Radio Labor Day edition. And I don't know if Gary Danielson remembered it was Labor Day when he said he was going to come on with us, but I appreciate him coming on with us on a holiday. And this has been a long holiday for everybody, Gary. We got a Thursday, a Friday, a Saturday, a Sunday, and now a Monday night football game going on. Tennessee Georgia Tech play tonight. I'm down in Atlanta getting ready for that one. But we saw a lot happen last night, and that's where I want to start with you, Gary. Uh, one of the regents already calling for Kevin Sumlin to be fired in the wake of a 45-44 loss. I don't know if you've seen that, but there are 10 A&M regents. One of them went on Facebook and Twitter last night and said, uh, I'm only one vote on the Board of Regents, and this is Tony Busby, but when the time comes, my vote will be that Kevin Sumlin needs to go. In my view, he should go now. We owe it to our school and our players. We can do better. I think that's crazy, you. Well, he has one vote, but it looks to me like he's trying to make his one vote bigger than one vote. Yeah. Why doesn't he just vote when it comes up? (laughs) Yeah, no, that's a good point. I mean, so, listen, Clay, you know, I've been in big-time athletics, you know, since uh, 1970 when I uh, enrolled at Purdue to follow up uh, Mike Phipps, who followed up Bob Greasy, and there were five other All-State quarterbacks trying out to to replace Mike Phipps. And and then played 13 years in the NFL and now has been – one of the lead analysts at ESPN, ABC, and CBS. And in your business as, as a big-time uh, personality with your own website and a, and a radio show, we're all under competition. This, this is nothing new to Kevin Sumlin. And, you know, whether uh, people uh, have the need to go out and tell everybody how they feel about it or not, I don't think Kevin Sumlin is surprised that if he doesn't win – you're not going to keep a four and a half or five million dollar job, uh, you know. At quarterback, if you don't win, you get replaced. <laughs> at uh, when you run a website, if nobody clips on, clicks on it, you go out of business. So, I, I, this is I, all these coaches get a little bit frustrated by this, and I, and I get it, you know. But I always tell them that if you want one of those jobs where you don't uh, get the outside press and the fans. You know, go coach at Hillsdale and, and, and do track in the off season and have a whistle. You'll make $150,000. You'll be very happy, and, and it, you'll work with great kids, and it's still coaching football. But when you take jobs, big-time business, you know, just like big-time quarterbacks, big-time people in any business, you get scrutiny. And I don't think it bothers Kevin, and it really doesn't bother me that much. I asked this question on Twitter. Florida looked awful. You've watched Florida play a lot of times over the years. Is that uh-huh. more a function of Florida or Michigan? Well, I, I think it's a combination. I'm not trying to cop out here, but I, I think both programs, um, I think there's been a little bit too much fallout on Florida. You know, they, 
they're missing their best running back, their best receiver, and they're not deep at either one of those positions. And they have struggled since Tim Tebow was their quarterback. I mean, Jim McElwain will have to produce at that office position or he'll become under scrutiny. Remember, he, he decided to go with Felipe Franks instead of Will Greer. I mean, Will Greer would have come back. Um, and there, it was a decision made from both sides that it's best to part ways. So he has that position has to produce. I don't think Florida's as bad as they looked. Michigan is an elite, uh, talented football team right now. Um, they replace stars with stars. Uh, they're a good defense, but you know I think you have to take it into comparison of who they stopped. Uh, Florida last year was stopped by lesser defenses than Michigan. So I think a little bit too much panic uh, for Florida. And maybe we're anointing Michigan's defense as the next Baltimore Raven defense is not quite fair either. I think we should all listen to Aaron Rodgers and just kind of relax on those teams and just back off. <laughs> we're talking to Gary Danielson, CBS Sports uh, analyst. I'm, I'm, I'm down here in Atlanta, Gary, and I went to uh-huh. the Alabama and the Florida State game. And I'm not an X's and O's guy. But what I love to do when I'm sitting up in the press box up high is I watch the game at a basic level. How good does a defense do at eliminating space, right? I mean, ultimately, that's the job of, if you boil down football, offense, the job is to create space. Defense, the job is to eliminate space. I love watching Nick Saban defenses, and I'm sure you see this in the press box so frequently, too, because when they're really kind of gelling, and they were gelling in that second half against Florida State, there was no space. They're like an anaconda slowly strangling you. And that's what I saw in the second half against Florida State. What did you see in this game? Uh, I saw four turnovers in five plays by Florida State. I thought it was a pretty even game. I thought both teams showed that they're stocked with a lot of great athletes. I thought DeAndre Francois did a good job in the first half, but they kind of got off track. And and you're right, the anaconda uh, kind of comparison is, is apt. However, I remember back when I was doing Cam Newton's game against Alabama at Alabama when they came back from 24 oh, yeah. to 3. I was there, and too. At, that was a hell of a game. And, and at halftime, Phil Savage came to me in the press box and said, you will now see the anaconda strangle this uh, Auburn team. Well, just like last night with UCLA, you got to finish the game. And, uh, you know, things kind of spiraled away from Florida State and any team – Last year, or what was it, two years ago, when uh, Alabama lost to uh, Ole Miss with five turnovers, you can't give a team of relatively equal talent uh, that type of a head start and field position and not have it collapse on you. Just It just happens. Alabama's too good. Uh, these teams, before the injury at quarterback, I thought could have both made the playoffs. Now it seems unlikely that Jimbo, unless he's the magician, a lot of people give him credit for it. He is a damn good coach. I think it's going to be tough to, for them to, to get back into the championship. We've got Gary Danielson. He's going to stick with us through uh, this next update here. But I want to bring in right now Ralph Irvin. Tell me what you got, my man. Well, bad news for Florida State, as you mentioned. Sophomore quarterback DeAndre Francois will miss the rest of the season. Patella tendon surgery to be performed. One game on that top 25 Sunday night. Number 21, Virginia Tech, a 31-24 winner 
over number 22, West Virginia. Ian Rappaport is reporting today that Brock Osweiler will take his physical in Denver. Once he passes that, he will officially start his one-year deal with the Broncos. Win last night for San Diego, 6-4 over the Dodgers. L.A. has now lost eight of nine games. Arizona, meanwhile, has won 10 straight. They beat Colorado 5-1. Cleveland, the hottest team in the majors, has won 11 straight. They beat Detroit 11-1. With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for. New or used? Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. And Clay, back to you with Gary Danielson. Thanks, my man. Gary Danielson with us. Gary, you've gotten hot before as a quarterback. You talked about playing at Purdue. Josh Rosen's performance after they got down 44-10, to 10, is that more a function of him just taking his game to another level, or did you see a lot of things from A&M? How did you assess that comeback, which is one of the most unbelievable things we've ever seen in college football? Yeah, since we saw the Super Bowl, that's true. <laughs> yeah. um, right. Um Clay, it's, it's a factor of everything. You know, um, defenses, when they start to feel teams are moving the ball on them, you know, the DBs are, are, are a funny group. They're, they're a very cocky group, but they don't want to be blamed for losing the game. You know, quarterbacks can take it. They do it every week, uh, whether they win or lose. They're used to answering the questions. But when another team starts to put a run on you, the DBs start to back up a half a foot and give you some throws. And I thought when UCLA created the pressure point with the tight end, that really changed the dynamics for Texas A&M. All of a sudden, they were trying to cover up a little hole there, and it opened up other holes. Uh, they, UCLA went from trying to establish the run to just handing the ball to Josh Rosen and say, go ahead and throw. And it's also a little bit, you know, like all sports are a little bit equal and you know, when you say you watch a game uh, just as a layman and observe, that, that's how I watch everything, to tell you the truth, even football. Um, football and golf, when you're behind six or seven strokes, you, you don't have the ability to hit the ball to the middle of the green and make a par. you got to shoot for the pins. And that can produce double bogeys or that can produce birdies. And that's what Josh Rosen was doing. He was just letting it fly. There were a couple times those passes could have produced double bogeys, interceptions, but they didn't. They, they, you know, it worked out great. They got it going, and all of a sudden, a team like Texas A&M that was fragile because of what happened to them last year when they collapsed became even more fragile on the road. They didn't have experience at quarterback for whatever reason. Um, you know, Kevin did not want to put in uh, his uh, veteran quarterback in the game. I thought that was a mistake. But one thing I'll say about these modern college football teams, I, people don't believe it, but it's just as hard for a ball control, a fast-paced, hurry-up, no-huddle team to go slow as it is for a slow team to go fast. And with Texas A&M, could not find another gear. They couldn't make a first down. And if you notice, when UCLA got to within 13, Kevin Sumlin and Noel Bazzoni decided to go hurry up, no huddle. And, and it was kind of, you're watching it go, what are you doing? You got to get this game over. But what they were realizing is we can't go slow. We don't know how to do it. We can't make a first down. And they felt the other team catching them. And that's how they kind of disintegrated all these hurry up, no huddle teams have that problem. But it was a great performance by Josh Rosen. It's amazing how everybody can look from one sideline to the other sideline about which coach is on the hot seat within a span of about an hour. 
It is extraordinary in that respect. We're talking to Gary Danielson, CBS Sports, uh, SEC on CBS. LSU dominated BYU, Gary. That game happened late on Saturday night. I feel like yeah. a lot of people yeah. didn't notice, but the stats that really kind of jump out, I'm a total yardage guy. I love to check it out. BYU put up only 97 yards of total offense. Meanwhile, LSU had nearly 500. LSU ran the ball 57 times, 296 yards. BYU ran it 14 times for minus five yards, physically dominating performance. Is LSU the second best team in the SEC? Well, I think Auburn can stake a claim to that right now, and we'll see about Georgia. You know, they're going to go to Notre Dame this weekend. You're right. I was very impressed with that game, and one of the reasons I was, I've done a lot of BYU games, and Clay, you know about that team. They play with a lot of men in the defensive line and offensive line. They have 23- and 24-year-old men who've been on missions. They're strong. They've always been strong up front, and I thought – as a physical matchup for LSU, this might be a challenging game. You you had the stats right. I got them right in front of me. 479 and 97. BYU only ran 38 plays in that football game. Now, you know, for for whatever reason, I, I, I was just surprised that LSU could manhandle a physical, at least when I watch BYU play, a physical team like that. So, yeah, I think that is really good news for LSU. LSU is in a strange spot with Ed Orgeron. You know, Les is a great guy, and I've known Les forever. My tack, offensive tackle for the Detroit Lions lined up right next to Les at Michigan for three years. They're best friends. They went on spring break together when they were at Michigan, and I we always used to warn Les, don't, don't get in my face, Les, because I'm going to tell all your spring break stories on you if you don't <laughs> be careful, because I know them all, okay? But I got the feeling there at the end that the team had lost confidence in the play calling and the system. They needed a breath of fresh air, and Matt Canada was the perfect guy to bring in. Uh, They're still huddling, but he's got some new twists to what they still want to do is BLSU and run it at you. If Danny Entlin takes the next step, and he's healthy this year more than last year, and if this offense gives him easy throws, LSU could be a threat. Now, they have to go to Alabama. But uh, it looked like a regular LSU football team that I saw when they were winning. Two longtime blue-blooded programs. Texas loses at home, gives up 51 to Maryland. USC plays Western Michigan, doesn't look that great. Uh, Of the two, I'll I'll ask you first about Texas, but then also about USC. I'm sure you kind of paid a little bit of attention to those games as well. What were your thoughts? What's going on at Texas? How did that game happen? I really think, uh, first, let's start with, if I could, just to kind of get them out of the way a little bit. USC had to be looking ahead. Yeah. I mean, they got Stanford coming up. Their schedule is right in front of them. And, you know, Western, I don't know how much you can preach to guys. And, you know, when you look at, when you were from California and you start hearing about a Michigan team and it's got a direction in front of them, it's hard to get those guys ready for it. And Western Michigan has been coached well by and, you know, good football players that have something to prove, got on a roll with that passing game. So let's just kind of discount that one for USC, and they have to prove it the next two weeks against a good Stanford team coming up this week. The Texas thing, it, this is really, you know, the state of Texas football. Brutal with Baylor, With Baylor, Texas A&M, and Texas, my goodness. I mean, you know, they're, they're you know, Mac Brown used to tell me the toughest thing about coaching at Texas is 
there's 500 Division I football players, and you get first choice. The problem is you got to take your first choice going into their junior year because those type of players want to know whether you commit. And it's the guys you don't take that the alumni keep reminding you of. Right. And, 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 and when Drew Brees doesn't go to Texas and goes somewhere else, you hear about it for the next 20 years if you're the Texas coach. And, you know, no one's infallible picking these guys two years before the time. So, boy, uh, the, stat, the state of Texas football right now, I really feel bad. And it wasn't a great week for Florida football either. The injury at Florida State, Florida, I mean, Lane Kiffin struggled, Butch Davis struggled, Charlie Strong was supposed to have a strong team, they struggled. I mean, the two te- states that produce arguably the most Division One football players are both had a rough week to start out with. Texas, you know, they kind of lost their toughness trying, I think ever since Vince Young took them to the championship, they became a finesse spread football program. And it's going to take a while, I think, for Tom Herman to get back that toughness. Don't get confused about Tom Herman. He came up under Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer runs the spread. But his foundation was back with Lou Holtz, where it was built on toughness and competition. And it's going to take probably more than a, you know, a couple games for Tom Herman to turn that ship around to Texas. Great stat for you about Texas, uh, Gary. 79-11 and 11 up until they lost that game, got Colt McCoy knocked out against Alabama in the title game Correct. out there in the Rose Bowl. Since that time, 54-46 and 46 overall in all the games they've played since then. It's an amazing statistic when you really think about it. Was there anything else I didn't ask you about that really kind of jumped out at you from the, uh, the final, the first weekend, basically? Maybe I'll ask you this to close with. Tennessee, Georgia Tech, what do you see happening in this game? I think it's an extremely uh, uh, – important football game for Tennessee. I'm not giving you anything that you don't know about it. Uh, it's, you know, there's a lot of pressure on Butch to, to win this game, and Tennessee fans expect them to win this football game. I would not want to open with a triple option uh, team in my first game. You have to devote too much time for it in, in camp. I remember when uh, Ohio State won the national championship, they opened up with Navy with Bo- Joey Boza and Ezekiel Elliott and all those players, and they almost lost that game. Uh, it's, it's a tough matchup. Tennessee will have to be ready, and then they'll have to flip it a week later when they have to go back and play more standard offense. It's an intriguing game. Um, I do want to make one point. You asked me about it, but I forgot. The only red flag, and, and before everyone anoints Alabama, and they're a great football team, they lost two outside rushing linebackers for the season. Uh, Terrell Lewis and Christian Miller. That was a position that was already worrisome for them before because they're two draft picks, Tim Williams and Ryan Anderson. I know they're loaded and they're stacked with a lot of athletes, but when you lose multiple players at the same position, it eventually starts to show. I would not anoint Alabama with the national championship yet. Can't wait to watch you, Gary. By the way, Joel Klatt, pretty awesome job he did calling that comeback, right? I know you have a good relationship with Joel. What's that experience like watching somebody call a game like that? It's great because, you know, a lot of these guys, I did their games. You know, I did Kirk Herbstreet's games when he was at Ohio State. I did Joel when he was at Colorado. Right. Uh, they, They both were great kids when we interviewed them back in the day. Of course, 
you know, and, and seeing these guys become pros at what they are, you get a lot of those special games. You know, I've been doing this since 1990, uh, and you have to savor them, and, and Joe and Gus did a great job with it. Outstanding stuff, my man. I appreciate you waking up early for us on a holiday. I uh, look forward to talking to you again down the road. Thank you, Clark. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at, like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.